Fiscal health. How does your state rank? Hi, I'm Philip Blumel, president of U.S. Term Limits. Welcome to the No Uncertain Terms podcast for the week of October 15th, 2018. Your sanctuary for partisan politics. A new study from the Mercatus Center at George Mason University ranks the 50 states according to the financial condition. The study provides a snapshot of each state's fiscal health by providing information straight from their audited state financial reports of 2016. In ranking the states by fiscal condition, Eileen Norcross and Olivia Gonzalez had determined that the state with the best financial management is... (laughs) Well, hold on. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, First, uh, let me call in U.S. Term Limits Executive Director Nick Tombalides to speak about this with us. Hey, Nick. Phil, good to be with you. (laughs) All right, so, Nick. Which of the 50 states is in the best financial health? That would be the Cornhusker state of Nebraska. Nebraska. Okay. Well, isn't Nebraska the only state with a unicameral legislature? And um, doesn't it also have term limits? That's right. The people of Nebraska (laughs) implemented term limits on their unicameral legislature in the year 2000. They were actually the most recent state in the country to do it. And if you look at these rankings of states by fiscal health, you will see that states with term limits on their legislatures are more likely to have a positive fiscal condition than states without term limits. Moreover, four of the top five states in the ranking have term limits on their legislatures. I think that really says something. And the reason why I pointed out about the unicameral legislature is that that um, a lot of the people that oppose term limits like to bring up the idea that uh, these newbie legislators that come in in these term limit states, they're infants, they don't know where the bathroom is, they don't know what they're doing, and that, you know everything's going to go to hell in your state if you adopt a, this popular reform. Um, but it turns out that, as you say, four of the top five states um, in terms of fiscal condition are term limited. And Nebraska has a single legislature single house of legislature, with, which means that in terms of traditional political experience, that is years in the legislature, there's no legislature in the country that has less experience. One house and term limits. Most of the states that have uh, term limits have two houses, and therefore most of the upper house are made up of former veterans of the lower house, not Nebraska. Right. And if you look at, if you wanted to know how are the states with uh, career politicians doing, uh, well, (laughs) they're doing the worst of anybody. Uh, The bottom five states in the fiscal solvency rankings uh, are Kentucky, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Illinois, not a single one of which has any term limits to speak of uh, anywhere. Uh, And obviously, Illinois is the worst state in the country uh, fiscally, we've known that for a while, and yes. in Illinois, you know, under the guardianship of supposedly expert career politicians, they have amassed two hundred billion dollars in red ink. Those long-serving politicians have gotten the state's bonds downgraded to the lowest level in the history of any state, triple B minus. Um, so right. when people ask, how can you live without political experience? I think we need to change that. I think they should be asking, how does Illinois live with it? Uh, because their, <laughs> their right. outlook is not very bright. 
Well, clearly there's lots of kinds of experience and the kind of experience that legislators are coming into office with in Nebraska and other places that have term limits um, is proving obviously quite useful. And it's probably the experience that comes from running businesses or otherwise leading productive productive lives and probably also um, political experience from lower levels. So, and, and you bring up Illinois. It's funny. Uh, Illinois not only has uh, does not have term limits, but it also has the longest serving uh, speaker um, of their house in American history. Um, they also have a full time legislature that serves all year round. is one of the highest paid legislatures in the country and has virtually no turnover. Um, so here we have the most experienced legislature in, in a lot of ways in the most tra- in traditional political terms doing the worst in the country. Yeah, and the problem with that is, as Ronald Reagan once said, um, the problem with um, political experience is the only thing you learn is how to be political. Making deals with lobbyists and special interests in the back rooms of the Illinois General Assembly um, might let the legislators themselves live high on the hog, but in terms of turning around the state and getting its fiscal house in order, there has been very little progress to speak of. What this ranking focuses on, it's actually five different measures of fiscal health. And I'll I'll just read down the list right here. They want to know, does a state have enough cash on hand to cover its short-term bills? Can a state cover its fiscal spending with revenues, or does it have a budget shortfall? Can a state meet its long-term spending commitments, meaning will there be enough money to cushion the state from an economic shock if one happens to come up? Um, How large a percentage of personal income are taxes, revenue, and spending? So, in other words, how much fiscal slack does a state have to increase spending if the people of that state want more services? And finally, they look and say, how much debt does a state have? How bad are its unfunded liabilities? A lot of these states, including Illinois, have tremendous problems with state pensions, And it's looking like if a state is um, under the stewardship of career politicians, that problem is, in most cases, much worse than it otherwise could be. Hello, this is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Limits. Every election cycle, we ask congressional candidates to sign a pledge to support congressional term limits. That pledge reads, I pledge that as a member of Congress, I will co-sponsor and vote for the U.S. Term Limits Amendment of three House terms and two Senate terms and no longer limit. This election cycle, we've seen far more pledges than we have in the past. We have had 373 total congressional candidates pledge this cycle. Of those 373, 130 have made it through their primaries and are currently on their way into the general election. And I'll remind everyone that um, uh, Illinois is a initiative state, so it's funny they don't already have term limits. Um, But on two occasions... Citizens collected the requisite number of signatures to put term limits on the legislative term limits on the ballot in that state in 1994 and again in 2014. And both times the Supreme Court of that state has shot them down and not given the voters a chance to vote on this. And um, it's really a crime. But I tell you what, things are happening anyway. They're trying to go around um, the um, initiative process, which is a funny way to put it, um, and try to put pressure directly on the legislature. And we talked last week about Jim Coxworth, this uh, gentleman that lives in suburban Chicago, who's going to walk from Chicago to Springfield um, to draw attention to term limits, to try to put more pressure on legislators. Yeah, and, and for the people who live in Illinois, I think the issue at the forefront of their minds is corruption. 
as we know, Illinois has had Corruption. several of their more recent governors uh, go behind bars. Uh, Rod Bl- Blagojevich, Blago, mm-hmm. was a very notable example of that. He was a Democrat. I think they had another Republican governor, George Ryan, who also went to prison um, for fraud and, and corruption. And so for, pe- for people in Illinois, it's just a matter of knowing that uh, these politicians are protecting the public trust, that they're being good stewards of tax dollars. And absent term limits, they have no confidence that politicians uh, you know, know how to manage the state's finances. Right. There's been a move to add term limits to the mayor of Chicago, too. It was led, this effort was led by the former governor of the state, uh, Democrat, Pat Quinn, uh, the gentleman that ran the 1994 citizen effort to uh, term limit the legislature. And uh, he, he, his people had collected sufficient signatures to term limit the mayor, or to put on the ballot, the idea of, of term limiting the mayor of Chicago. And um, the Chicago Board of Election Commissioners earlier this month said that, nope, the issue can't go on the ballot because Chicago has a rule that you can only have three ballot measures at a time, and they already have three. Well, they already have three because Chicago put extra questions on to get the term limits booted off. Well, this is going to court. The election officials apparently aren't that secure in their, their, uh, <laughs> in their position, and they're going ahead and leaving the question on the ballot. This is very interesting. They're going to leave the question of mayor tournaments on the ballot in Chicago. It's not binding, and they're not even going to tell us how the vote comes out. But they're leaving it on there just in case they lose their lawsuit, and the courts makes this information um, public knowledge. So um, I would recommend that everybody in Chicago make it out to the polls and vote for term limits. We don't know what the what the um, outcome is going to be on the measure, um, but uh, let's let. Let's let the Illinois politicians know that we want term limits every chance we get. Yeah, and Chicago is really the odd man out um, in terms of the largest cities in America. All 10 uh, of the largest cities in America have some form of term limits on the mayor and or council with the exception of Chicago. And, you know, they have seen a, a succession of sort of dynastic... Uh, establishment leaders in that city, you know, between uh, 1955 and 2011 when Rahm Emanuel took over. I think just uh, Richard Daley, Mayor Daley, and his son, uh, Richard Daley Jr., occupied the mayor's seat for roughly uh, 30 years uh, during that period, during two independent tenures. And so there's very little room for fresh ideas and outsiders to come in and really shake up Chicago politics. It's a running joke around there that they have the best politicians money can buy. And I'm, in, I'm inclined to agree with that based on what we're seeing. Last week, we spoke with Jim Coxworth, the businessman who launched his Illinois Citizen Uprising to push for term limits and to end gerrymandering. Last Thursday morning, he started on a march from the Chicago suburbs to Springfield to draw attention to these issues. We caught up with him on Friday, day two. I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. Hello, Jim. Uh, Philip Lamell again. How's it going? Hi. Are you still on the road? I just got off the road. Talked to you last week on this uh, podcast, and we talked about why you're doing this. Um, but I wanted to ask you a little bit about what it's like uh, making this trek. Um, so I wanted to find out where are you right now? I'm about 30 miles south of the starting point, which was uh, out in Campton Hills, Illinois. So I'm actually out of the suburban area of Chicago and out into the cornfields. All right. 
And um, how's the weather holding up for you? The weather's uh, gotten colder, much colder, and today it was cold and windy with uh, a little bit of rain at times this afternoon. Okay, ooh, a little bit of rain. Well, did you have an opportunity today and yesterday to um, chat with anyone about term limits and uh, gerrymandering? I have. We met some people at the office. Um, there are a lot of people waiting for us when we walked by there on the way uh, first on day one, and then we stopped in a few restaurants, uh, especially one today where we handed out some brochures that I've got in my backpack. So we've been talking to people, and a few people have recognized the orange coat at the uh, different places I've been and uh, said, oh, you're the guy walking to Springfield. Oh, great. That's good. Um, I, no- I noticed I went on your Facebook page, and I noticed that uh, you're being tracked. There's a map every day of where of your route. And um, is there any other any, any other way to track your progress? You know, we're on Facebook and we're on uh, the website, but I think those are the two main ways. Illinois okay, web- com. Uh, I noticed that um, as I'm watching these campaigns around the country that uh, there's probably no state in the country where state legislative candidates are being asked more about term limits than in Illinois. Well, I I think there's a lot of good reasons for that. I think even the former governor, uh, Quinn, was trying to get him instituted in Chicago, but I think people are sick and tired of the uh, career politicians just strangling every effort to uh, reform the state. Mm -hmm. Also on this podcast elsewhere, we were talking today about a new report that came out from the Mercatus Center um, at George Mason University, they were looking at the fiscal solvency of all the states, and I, uh, of the top five states, four of them had term limits, which we found encouraging. And it also talk, also talked about the uh, bottom five states. And um, I'm going to let you guess what number 50 was. Illinois. <laughs> yeah, it's an easy question, I guess. <laughs> That's why you're out there doing that. It sure so, is. It's certainly a big part of it. Okay, so what's uh, what's on the agenda for tomorrow? Well, tomorrow we will start uh, in the cemetery where I finished today, and we'll okay. continue south to a place near Morris, Illinois, just outside of Morris, Illinois. So I'll put on another 15 miles tomorrow. All righty. Well, we'll be tracking you. I'll be checking you on Facebook and um, checking out your uh, videos you're making along the way, and I hope other people are as well. So uh, good luck, Jim. Thanks for having me. Because you're mine, I walk the line. So what's the plan, Stan? What is U.S. Term Limits' plan to impose term limits on Congress? Many of you aren't really clear about how we plan to term limit Congress, so I wanted to outline the steps. First, we get lawmakers to sign the pledge committing to support term limits. Then, our activists assure they honor their pledge as the resolution passes through the legislature. The Supreme Court decided that the only way to do this is through an amendment to the Constitution. Since an amendment may be proposed by Congress or the states, we are getting lawmakers to sign our pledge, both at the federal level and at the state level. You can help by sending your lawmaker a pledge from termlimits.com slash pledge. U.S. Senators and House Reps signed the USTL Congressional Pledge, stating they will co-sponsor and support term limits through Congress. That way we know who we can count on to pass the resolution through our federal legislative body.
We are also securing pledges through our state senators and representatives because our goal is to pass our resolution through 34 state legislatures as well. To get a resolution passed, we need to get a lawmaker who is passionate about term-limiting Congress to sponsor the bill in both chambers. Then, we need to usher and monitor the resolution through its progress, through the committee stops, assuring we meet all the deadlines and pass all the votes. That's where you come in. Our grassroots supporters make phone calls and send emails to their lawmakers telling them to vote yes when the resolution comes up for a vote. Since these votes come up pretty quickly, the calls to action usually expire in a couple of days, so we need you to contact them before the vote. If you sign our petition, you'll get these important calls to action. You can sign up to receive these call to action emails at termlimits.com petition. Once the resolution passes the committee stops, it goes to the floor in each chamber. After it passes both chambers, we celebrate a major victory. Currently, Ted Cruz of Texas has sponsored Senate Joint Resolution 2, and Congressman Ron DeSantis of Florida has sponsored House Joint Resolution 6 in the Congress. Both resolutions will die with virtually no movement, at which point two new resolutions must be sponsored in both chambers of the 116th Congress. So that's the federal route. Because the states may also propose the term limits amendment on Congress, we are securing pledges from state lawmakers to pass our congressional term limits resolutions through the states. We rely on our supporters to help get these pledges from politicians by going to termlimits.com pledge, and we rely on your activism to contact your state lawmakers telling them to vote yes at key dates through the session. To help with these calls to action, sign our petition at termlimits.com petition. While we take pledges from all candidates and all lawmakers, we have key states we are targeting to get to the magic number of 34 required to trigger a term limits convention. As you can imagine, we rely on the support of our donors and the activism of our volunteers. To make a financial contribution, please go to termlimits.com and press the green donate button. To volunteer, go to termlimits.com slash volunteer. Ooh, slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, stand. You don't need to be coy, Roy. You just listen to me. We had a little bit of uh, term limits news this week. Um, Nikki Haley, our U.N. ambassador, uh, resigned after two years on the job. And uh, she had a interesting uh, reason that she gave for doing so. Let's hear that clip. I was governor for six years, and we dealt with a hurricane, a thousand-year flood, a church shooting, a school shooting. There was a lot. And then to come in and do two years of Russia and Iran and North Korea, it's been eight years of intense time, and I'm a believer in term limits. I think you have to be selfless enough to know when you step aside and allow someone else to do the job. So what do you think, Nick? Well, here's what I really liked about this. I liked watching the media freak out when Nikki Haley made this announcement because they just could not fathom why someone would not want power uh, for their whole life. <laughs> it's like they were, they were asking openly, what's wrong with this person? They start coming up with conspiracy theories to figure out what's the real motive. I mean, imagine if George Washington were around today, they would have totally lost their marbles because he did the same thing. He walked away from the presidency uh, instead of becoming a king. So some people right. really do believe in term limits, and Nikki Haley is one of those people. Uh, will she run again for something someday? Maybe. Who knows? Mm -hmm. uh, but the fact that she's stepping aside and allowing for some new blood to enter in this position is a very noble thing, and I think she needs to be applauded for that. I agree. And, you know, as an incumbent, when you're in a position 
the um, natural uh, state of things is for you to continue being in that position. It's a safe place to be, and if it's benefiting yourself, uh, why would you give it up? And so you're right. I definitely commend her. A lot of people fail to realize term limits are only unfortunate are only an unfortunate thing for the politicians who aren't doing a good job, who are very insecure, who cannot simply squat in one seat uh, for an entire career and use the institutional advantages of incumbency to protect their power. If you were a politician who is who is actually concerned with issues and is resonating with the people, then if you leave a certain office, you won't have a problem finding a new office. The cream will always rise to the top if, you, if you're making a convincing case to the American people. It's only the bad ones who really have to worry about this because they're the guys who get flushed out permanently when you have a term limit or when you have some kind of rotation. Yeah, that's a very good point. In the state of Nebraska, number one in this uh, year's rankings from the Mercatus Center for Fis- on Fiscal Health, the citizens in that state have noticed the effectiveness of term limits, and they embrace them like term limits are embraced everywhere. And it's just worth noting in passing that there are movements in two of the largest cities in Nebraska, uh, Omaha and also Lincoln, to term limit the mayors of those towns. And um, in the case of uh, Lincoln, the uh, there is a measure that's going to be on the ballot. The signatures have been collected, um, and so they'll be voting on a week term limit measure in, in November. And then um, as a result of that, there's a move to do the same in Omaha. So uh, things are happening all around the country on this issue. People see the term limits working. They like what they're seeing. We'll be keeping tabs on that. Uh, are they in the courts? Do you know if they're, the, the mayors are in the courts trying to stop the term limits from going to the ballot, or have they already nope. uh, foreclosed on that Not option? in the courts, uh, only in the court of public opinion. But it's interesting that the uh, Republican mayor of – no, I'm sorry, the Democratic mayor of Lincoln and the Republican mayor of Omaha um, have taken to the uh, public um, – have taken to the pulpit to uh, start uh, complaining about these measures together on a bipartisan measure – a bipartisan way, um, complaining about these uh, these termless referenda. And then on the streets, of course, there's Democrats and Republicans as citizens collecting the signatures and calling for term limits. So if there's ever a bipartisan issue, it's term limits. And you see it not only on our side, but also on, on the side of the politicians. And so often these politicians realize that um, when term limits are on the ballot – and they have, they have not been struck down by a court, basically the politician's fate is sealed because it will pass if it's on the ballot and it's presented to voters in a very clear and unambiguous way. That's why you so often find these conniving elected officials filing frivolous lawsuits against term limits initiatives uh, to try to get us off the ballot because they know the voters will pass it if they have the opportunity. <laughs> there. This is Austin Seckle. I wanted to share a letter to the editor that we picked up this past week from someone named Gene Beer from Milton, Wisconsin, written in a paper called the Gazette Extra. And if you don't know what a letter to the editor is, it's usually a short argument made 100 words or less, and it just highlights the average uh, citizen's voice and opinion on certain matters. Any conversation can make a difference. Here's what an excerpt from Gene's article says. Quote, watching the Supreme Court hearings and looking at each senator's vote as it may pertain to their reelection is the latest call for term limits. The majority of voters support those limits, but it is difficult to convince legislators to get off the gravy train. 
Call both your senators and your representatives and demand action. Probably won't matter. You may sleep better. And <laughs> I agree with the latter, but I understand it, it may not make a, a difference at first, but you don't know who's going to be reading the article. Letters to the editor of one of the most commonly um, viewed sections in the newspaper, especially if more and more citizens start doing this, any kind of movement can gain momentum, and that's what we need. So please contribute one of yourself. Look up the article at termlimits.com slash podcast, and we'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Gil Fulbright. The people who run my campaign, they've made this commercial, and I'm in it. <laughs> this campaign, it's not about me. It's about crafting a version of me that'll appeal to you. A version that visits random work sites with paid actors pointing at things. A version of me that doesn't find old people loathsome or pointless. Listening to my constituents, legislating, these are things I don't do. What I do is spend about 70% of my time raising funds for re-election. I'd do anything to stay in office. My name's Gil Fulbright, but hell, I'll change my name to Phil Goldbright or Bill Fulbright or fill up my mouth with farts. These are the things that are important to me. And these are the fine people that finance my campaign. Now, in order to do these things, I have to stay in office. And to stay in office, I have to keep these guys happy. Now, if any of these things make these guys unhappy, well, my hands are tied. So come November, the choice is clear. Do you want another spineless mouthpiece for special interest in lobbyists? Or a spineless mouthpiece for special interest in lobbyists? I'm Philip a mouth with farts, and I approve this message. For more Gil Fulbright and other political parodies, check out the anti-corruption and pro-fun campaign at represent.us. One of the states with the strictest term limits is Michigan. It also happens to be the only state holding legislative elections this year without any uncontested seats. While the state with the most uncontested seats is Massachusetts, where only 28% of the general election contests feature both a Democrat and a Republican. Guess what? Massachusetts does not have term limits. What did you say about term limits taking away choice? Term limits may take away a choice, but it's a choice of one, not a choice of many. So, of the top five states in the Mercatus Center fiscal health rankings, four have term limits. Nebraska, South Dakota, Florida, and Oklahoma. Naturally, the institutional arrangements of these states affect these positive outcomes. It certainly proves that in these states, Term-limited legislatures are not inept pushovers who can't balance a checkbook, say no to special interest demands, or even find the bathroom. Instead, the broader experience we see in term-limited legislatures has resulted in generally better outcomes. Thank you for joining us for this week's No Uncertain Terms. Please spread the word about our podcast. Our regular listenership is an informed national network that is going to dump the professional congress member into the dustbin of history. Please share the word about the podcast with your friends and subscribe. You can use the podcast app on your iPhone or download Stitcher on your Android device. Or just go to iTunes and while you're there, rate and review us. These ratings direct attention to the podcast and bring more citizens on board. No, the revolution is not being televised. At least, not yet.
In the meantime, you have the weekly No Uncertain Terms podcast. See you next week. Doesn't it also have term limits?